Hello, listeners out there. I'm Reed. I'm playing uh, Harold, the Duke of Nothing. Uh, human, ranger, monster hunter, scientist. <laughs> okay. I'm Michelle playing Connie, short for Conifer, the delightful beau of Harold, the Duke of Nothing. Hey guys, it's Brian, and I play three raccoons who are very slowly coming closer to becoming inebriated again and not excited about it. Hey guys, my name's Nathan. I play the character of Shalvron in the game, and uh, I have wasted everybody's time for the better tonight, so I'm already complete. <laughs> <laughs> you complete me. Just know that in your hearts, you don't know who he is, but Dr. Fuzz E. Nipples. Believe in him, for he believes in you. He is you. What's up, guys? I'm Braden, and I play Steve. And Steve was ready to go about two hours ago. Distracted <laughs> by the life and liberation of fuzzy nipples. Doctor, PhD. PhD. Yeah. Welfare, PhD. <laughs> President. <laughs> President. Hey. President. Hey. Commander in chief. Doctor. Listen, he's a doctor in something. <laughs> <laughs> doctor in blowing. Yeah. You can get a doctorate in it. I'm pretty sure it's called communications. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey everybody. I'm Ryan, your dungeon master, and welcome back to Goblins and Goblets, our real play 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast, loosely based on the 5th edition rules, of course. Uh, last time, our wonderful dipshits pretended to be a cow. One of our wonderful dipshits pretended to be a cow. Uh, fought an abolith and saved old man Jenkins' farm from some scum. Actually, you guys didn't even fight the abolith. You just convinced it to go away, and then Drummo opened a portal and sent it back to where it came from. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. It's called diplomacy. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Dr. Now Fuzzy Nipples was definitely first in diplomacy. Uh, so after you guys sent the abolith back to where it came from, you all returned to town and crashed for the night in the tavern. And you all awake the next morning after enjoying a solid night's rest in a real bed for the first time in a while. The lot of you stream into the dining area of the tavern one by one as you finish donning your gear and preparing for the journey ahead. In just a short time, you will be embarking on the final leg of the journey to Stone's Throw, riding up the narrow pass into the city within the mountains. Franz is outside, packing the necessary, uh, the necessary goods into the cart, making sure everything is strapped and ready for the climb. After making final preparations and enjoying a nice warm meal, you all head off. The sun has just begun to peek over the horizon as you pull from the tavern and head for the path. The path is well-traveled by merchants traveling back and forth between the two cities. Usually the dwarves do all the traveling, shuffling goods to the city below and returning home with things that they may be low on or things they just can't grow or make themselves. The path slowly narrows to just over a cart width the further up the steep incline you progress. The path was blown into the face of the mountain itself, allowing travelers to easily traverse the area without worrying of falling rocks. Uh, nope. Without worrying about falling off the side of a cliff. Uh, instead, you feel completely safe, surrounded by the towering rock walls on either side. After traveling well into the afternoon, you crest a hill and arrive on a small landing, created to allow the horses pulling carts uh, a place to rest. Franz tells you all that this is the halfway point to the journey. From here, you will travel down a switchback-style pass into the valley Stone's Throw resides in. 
Nestled into the safety of the surrounding mountains, the dwarves of the land made their home. Uh, easy access to the fires of the Pit of Dumathone, a small pool of lava straight from the core of the world, made this the clear choice for a dwarven settlement. The fertile fields surrounding the city allowed for farmers to grow enough food, plus supplemental goods from the city below, where they could easily sell off dwarven-made products and establish a solid economy for the city. The remainder of the trip is uneventful, and you arrive at the edge of the city a stone's throw. As the evening sun glows red, as it peaks between the peaks, peaks between the peaks into the valley, bathing it in a warm glow. Buildings here vary in shape and size, mostly built of the stone from where they blew into the side of the building to make the the passage up, uh, cut into blocks and built into buildings. Uh, young dwarves approach as they hear the cart clicking down the road and begin swarming all of you, asking too many questions all at the same time, making it impossible to hear and answer any of them. Uh, you guys continue on, kind of towards the center of the city, and as you walk, Harold, roll me a perception check. I was looking around and he perceives, uh, goddamn nothing. 17. <laughs> That's, wait, perceives most perception. Yep. <laughs> Uh, as you walk along, kind of near the cart, but not right up on top of it, you feel a presence behind you, and it's not Connie. You feel like somebody is walking behind you, so you stop just oh. mid-step, and uh, something bonks into your back. And uh, you turn and notice an older dwarf with a long white beard that is almost touching the ground by his blackened boots, covering most of the heavy leather apron that he wears. Uh, white hair shoots from the side of his head, uh, both sides, the sides of his head, around the straps of some strange goggles that he has down over his eyes. Hmm. He says, whoa, whoa, sorry, whoa. boss. I was uh, <laughs> just investigating this here beautiful specimen you have on your back. Why, why, yes. Uh, <laughs> hello, my good sir. This, uh, this is Connie, uh, recent acquaintance, but longtime friend. Um, <laughs> what, uh, pray tell, what, what goggles are you, are you wearing? Oh, these are my, my pretty bitching goggles. Uh, <laughs> pretty bitching goggles? <laughs> <laughs> these goggles let me see things. Uh, the things. Pretty, pretty He's deep inside of stuff. Huh. <laughs> um, uh, my name's, my name's Tuck. Um, one of the artificers here in Stone's Throw, and, uh, I have a... Hello, Tuck. May you and your family's beards grow ever longer appreciated much appreciated <laughs> blessings of the tuesday to you as well sir oh a man after my own heart blessings of the tuesdays upon you he says uh i would be i would be very interested in taking a closer look at your bow while it's not bouncing around on your back would you would you be okay with that would you would you follow well it's not my... up to me this is this is connie you can introduce yourself to connie well, he did already have such nice things to say. <laughs> he says, oh, Connie, uh, yes, of course. Um, I I would very much like to delve a little deeper into this specimen. Um, Whoa. Oh, a specimen. <laughs> a specimen. <laughs> such a beautiful specimen she is. Oh, beautiful, <laughs> though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you if you and your companions here would be willing to follow me back to my shop, uh, you can meet my sister, and she might be able to help your friends a little bit. But uh, I would very much like to take a peek at this bow. It's got good taste. It's got. <laughs> I would say so. 
I would say so, Conifer. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we're off. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, turns on his heel and heads down a side road. Um, why don't everybody else also roll me perceptions checks to see if you notice that this is happening? <laughs> I don't see you shit. I don't even have to do my adding. Uh, 13. 30. Okay. Uh, Steve, you notice that Harold has stopped in the middle of the road and is conversing with this dwarven figure, uh, and then he looks back in your general direction and begins to follow him down a side alleyway. Uh, gentlemen, it would appear that, uh, Harold is going on an adventure with a small man. I feel like we should follow. I'm uncertain, though. What do you guys think? We follow Harold. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you let, you guys let Franz know that this is happening, and he says, well, I'll just, I'll just meet you guys later. Um. I'll I'll see you at the tavern. Who's this? Sure. The tabaxi. Oh, oh I pissed yeah. himself okay. whenever. Yeah. This boy, remember him? He's got to go clean himself. Right. He pissed himself a while ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, 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 he's dry he's now. Clean. Oil he's clothing. <laughs> he's he's all right. Uh, yeah. So you all begin to follow Harold and this dwarven figure down this uh, side road, and. You guys make it back towards, like, the western edge of town, and just outside of the city limits, you see this towering tower, uh, I guess. Descriptive. Yeah. It's kind of like... Peeking through the peaks. Yeah, it's not vertical, per se. It's got, like, a rectangle with an offset rectangle on top of it, and then alternating back and forth. It huh. grows vertically, but it's kind of wonky looking. Um, <laughs> a crooked man from a crooked house. Yeah, you're surprised that it actually uh, is still standing based on outside appearance. <laughs> uh, you see a billow of smoke coming out of it, and uh, the closer you get, the warmer you feel. Uh, like it's like there's a forge nearby. Mm. Uh, and Talk leads you inside and says, Well, uh, what's your name, friend? Well, uh, my name is Harold, uh, the Duke of Nothing. Uh, this is Connie, uh, and this is uh, this is Dromo, and we're uh, we're traveling around. Now, you said you were an artificer. My my dad, he's a uh, he likes to make stuff too. He's a uh, physic phys physicalist, I believe it is. He likes to make physical things. You know, he studies physicalists. He strokes a portion <laughs> of his beard that he can reach, and he says. You're the Harold, the Duke of Nothing. And uh, he stops for a second and looks at you. He says, I know your dad. Hey! Erwin, <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. right? Erwin, that's the one. Yeah, the yeah. One. Oh, I, nice. I actually <laughs> knew several members no of your family. Oh, ah, wait. Several members? Did yeah, you know my mom? I did. And I knew your dad's parents and your mom's parents. I've, oh. I've I've known the whole the whole family. Stalker. <laughs> oh my goodness! Your dad and I used to work together, and your mom was very helpful. And of course, you know, family dinners and all. I would I we we worked pretty closely together. So, oh my goodness! Before well, you, I don't remember him? 
I I don't remember him. I I never got to meet my mom. Unfortunately, she she went up missing before before I could before I was born. <laughs> before I could start making memories and uh and we've been looking for her ever since. Oh no. <laughs> he kind of cocks his head at you and he says, "Huh. Strange." But yeah. Uh yeah, I knew I knew your dad very well uh before he opened up the portal and uh created nothing he him and i used to work really closely together ah what did you work on all kinds of stuff um if you guys are looking for anything while you're here i might be able to help you uh find it might be able to point you in the right direction um him and i actually worked a little bit on removing souls uh from from things and putting them <laughs> back into bodies. Um, oh, huh. he, he looks at Dromo and he says, yeah, um, this seems to be uh, the opposite of that. <laughs> he, he He's like, um, it, it, it seems that your dad has uh, lost his way a little bit and uh, gotten a little bit confused. But I'm very interested in this bow because did you know there's did you know there's a person inside of it? <laughs> well, a person. Well, I, I I know it's there's a bow inside of it. This is well, Connie. Well, there's a there's a there's a soul inside of it. Um, oh, she has soul. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean a, a physical presence. Yeah, yeah, she's right here. I can mm-hmm. hold her. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, let me yeah. let me see let me see that bow for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I hand him the bow. He turns uh, as you guys enter into the front door of his abode, and it is just as much of a clusterfuck as your dad's workhouse, uh, your dad's <laughs> kind of workstation or whatever. Um, there's books and various things kind of floating about, glass beakers and tubes all over the place. Everything out so you know where it is. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's got all kinds of table space that's just absolutely covered in all kinds of random shit. Um, but he does have this big set of tubes uh, leaned up against the wall. It's two tubes. They're probably four feet wide and a good ten feet tall. They stretch from the floor to the ceiling, and one of them is open. And he says, if if you don't mind, I would very much like to perform a little procedure on this bow. Uh, Connie? What? Uh, fur? <laughs> what, what do you think? What, what little procedure? What, oh, uh... I mean, I'm not used to having so many hands on me. <laughs> <laughs> he sets Connie on the table for a second and uh, begins to tinker with it. He flips a couple more lenses down on his goggles and looks even closer. I should. Those look pretty cool. (laughs) He peers into the grain of the wood and he says, yep, okay, just just as I thought. Um, Would you, Harold, Duke of Nothing, like to shake hands with your friend Connie? Well, yeah. You, uh, I can have hands? You can have hands? <laughs> Heck, we could even get you a bow. <laughs> a bow, a bow I, oh, shooting a bow. A bow shooting a bow. Uh, 
uh, yeah, we can we can definitely hook you guys up. He takes Connie over and sets her into the open tube, leaning her up against the back and closes the tube down. He takes a couple steps back and looks. Connie is in the left tube and there's nothing in the right tube. Both tubes are down, flush with the ground. And he begins to murmur something. And from his left hand emits this bright white sparkle forms into a beam and hits the left tube and with his right hand he tries to pull that beam from that left tube to the right tube and after a couple tries he does actually manage to and the bow lays flat on the bottom of the tube and you begin to see sparkles in the right tube the same white sparkles that left his hand uh, begin to form a shape and they form what is what is Connie now well the thing that you see in the other two is you know a smallish human-esque shape that's glowing a bunch of different colors all at once kind of just floating there in the in the tube if you get closer, you can tell that the humanoid shape is made of conifer-esque features. <laughs> <laughs> so, spark skin, fur hair, <laughs> fur needle hair. <laughs> so pretty much we have made Connie into a tree fairy. Like tree fairy. fairy. Yeah. <laughs> Hair of uh, tall fur needles fur and needles wings cool. of that uh, the moss that grows <laughs> in them when the air quality is good. <laughs> uh, Steve Chavron and the three raccoons known as Sarge, uh, you guys are a few steps behind as you weren't quite caught up with these guys as they entered into the building. And from around back, a another dwarf. Uh, appears and her beard is a little bit shorter she's got her hair tied back in a ponytail and also is wearing a thick leather apron uh, her face is kind of covered in dust and ash and she looks at you guys and says oh visitors how we doing <laughs> good how about yourself oh, i'm living the dream i can't complain what brings you all the way out here um I believe we were looking for a device called the Kegerator. <laughs> <laughs> many, many moons ago. Many, many, many moons ago. <laughs> I know of the Kegerator. Um, the Kegerator? The Kegerator. <laughs> the one who lives on Kegerator Lane? <laughs> yeah. Are you planning to try to retrieve the Kegerator? Yes. Um, interesting. Okay. Are you prepared to traverse the mines? I grab her by the scruff of, like, the, by her shirt and pull her real close and go, I need the kegerator. <laughs> <laughs> she says, oh, oh, okay. Um, 
I'm sorry, I guess. Fill um, up. I can I can kind of tell you how to get there, but I don't have it. Um, if you guys are planning on traversing the mine, you might need a little boost. Um, it's dark and dangerous down there, and you shouldn't go alone. Here, take this. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh my god, dangerous. <laughs> Uh, Steve, how do, Steve, how do you carry Greta? Uh, probably in, like, uh, hilt, like, Like yeah. a scabbard on your side? Yeah, scabbard. Or, like, on yeah. your back? Probably um, on my side, because my shield would be on my back. She listens to you speak and understands that you guys are looking for the kegerator, but... The glint off the hilt of Greta catches her eye, and she says, Oh. My. Gods. Can I see your sword? Why? I think it's my work. Mm. Sure. I draw Greta. She reaches up and takes it from you, and she says, Holy shit. I didn't think I would ever see this sword again. How's, mm. how's it holding up? She's been nice to me. She does well. Follow me, follow me! Uh, and she begins to run on her tiny little legs towards the back of the house. I walk slowly to keep pace with her. <laughs> and says the Mr. Krabs foot noise as she walks. Uh, the three raccoons once again form a circle and just Sonic the Hedgehog roll towards <laughs> Beautiful. Take out her legs. <laughs> I believe she's leading me to the kegerator. <laughs> you all head towards the back of the building, and the uh, the female dwarf puts Greta down on an anvil, and she says, "By the way, my name is Flo, um, and I I think I can upgrade Greta. This was kind of at the beginning of my tenure as a blacksmith." And I managed to input the seam in here, but I, I've i gotten a lot better at it now. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to tinker with it a little bit. Sure. This sounds acceptable. Uh, and she is begins... this free? Yes, yes, of course. I, I, this is... I'm in, I'm in shock to have this back in my possession at the moment. I'm really glad to hear that it's working out well for you, and I would love to make it work better. Mm. Yes, please. Uh, cool. She begins to kind of pound on it and uh, hammer and channel some more power into Greta. Um, Chavron, roll me a perception check. All right, all right, all right. That's going to be a 16. What was... No, I'm not going to ask you that. Um, You notice, leaned in the corner of this blacksmith shop, a three and a half, four foot tall, wrapped package. Uh, it's wrapped in kind of burlap, like a darker brown burlap bag type of thing. Uh, just seems to be kind of wrapped up for protection, but you notice it's tied and on the thread tying it closed is a seal. 
And with an 18 perception check, you recognize this seal. Uh, you spent a whole lot of time stamping this seal on things. This is the seal of the blacksmith who trained you. This is Ooh. your master's teacher's seal. All right. Um, roll me a history check as well. 17. You know his last work uh, before Benkenfell was to be sent to Stone's Throw uh, in hopes that it would receive a blessing from the God of the Forge. Uh, you aren't you weren't until you see this now. You weren't completely certain that it had ever made it here. You didn't know that he had finished it or that he had gotten it wrapped up and shipped out. Um, and you make your way over and begin to carefully unwrap this package and what you find inside of it is a one-handed for you because you're a goliath war axe okay. uh it has an ornately carved handle depicting a phoenix rising from the ashes at the base of the handle are three lights that are currently off the blade while tarnished is of fine craftsmanship wrapped where the blade meets the handle is a ragged note and this note says the specifics of this weapon. It says this weapon is called the Phoenix. Spelled <laughs> like Phoenix, but with an A. No <laughs> uh, way! Yeah! It, uh, it can be charged by channeling spells into the weapon. Uh, when you do this, it does double damage. If you hit, if you crit, you roll four times. Ooh. Uh, God damn. As spells get channeled into the weapon, a light, one of those three lights at the base of the handle glows uh, based on spell slots channeled into it. This weapon is powered by Gond. Uh, it, it glows with a faint white yellow after being charged up. More slots equals more light. If you put three slots into this, you just always cast a 30 foot radius of light around you. Flo sees you, Chevron, beginning to pick this up and unwrap it. And she says, oh, um, we received that a good while ago now. I haven't gotten the chance to unwrap it. I've been so busy doing stuff. Do you recognize it? Yes, I recognize this seal is close to my heart. It's the seal of my teacher. I've stumped this myself many times. I was not sure before now that this actually made it here, but... As the disembodied voice god said, it did. <laughs> it did. You're right. It's in your hands now. And she says, oh, wow. Um, is, is he okay? You make it sound like he's not. Let's just say I love the man, but he is what, what the authors would refer to as past tense. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, we go back inside now to Harold and the humanoid version of Connie and uh, talk. And he says, what uh, What brings you guys here? Why Why have you come to Stone's Throw? I knock on the glass and yeah. I'm like, let me out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 shit. How do you feel? He opens up the tubes. And uh, lets you out. <laughs> I come flitting out. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Steve walks into the room. Oh, shit. Uh, somebody get clothes for her. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, she flies straight into tree. Steve. She's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> There's naked tree women in there. Don't go in there, Shalron. This is not disencouragement. But I guess I am. <laughs> That's why you're not allowed to go in there. Run straight into Steve. Apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, so there is now a glowing... How tall are you? I don't know, like really a small, huh? like, like two foot, half two feet. <laughs> two foot. <laughs> about thirty-one inches tall. <laughs> so there's pretty much a glowing flying tree woman flying around, Harold. And uh Tox says, Oh, oh shit. Uh no, but I haven't been able to move around in so long. She just keeps bouncing around. <laughs> <laughs> remarkable as he watches you bounce from wall to ceiling to floor he's like how long have you been in there 147 years <laughs> holy shit he just yeah. watches in awe yeah she flies into his beard gets tangled flies away <laughs> she's about as tall as him just a Taking little bit shorter. beard hairs with her like oh. <laughs> he says well i'm i'm glad i could help you get out now um what are you doing here? Yep. I don't. I'm not one for formalities. First, I I couldn't help but notice the bow and figured she needed out. But now curiosity has killed the cat, so to speak. Oh, or brought the cat to life. <laughs> <laughs> or made the cat fly. I guess. Yes, I'm not good at it. <laughs> Eventually, she runs into poor Harold, just kind of like. Hangs there and is like, oh. <laughs> she's not Harold's familiar. She climbs back there and pokes her head out. <laughs> like, well, I met a very nice lady a very long time ago. And uh, the next thing I knew, I was a bow. <laughs> what? Does not sound like a nice woman. What was your original <laughs> form, Connie? I was a beautiful tree in the middle of the forest. Mm. I was surrounded by a ring of glittering rainbow mushrooms. <laughs> Interesting, he says. I had two friends. Two One was a squirrel. <laughs> One was a mushroom. <laughs> no, no, the mushrooms were rude. <laughs> they were he not said- very fun guys. <laughs> Oof, that's bad. bad. Shame. Shunned. Shunned. I'm leaving that in there so people can shunned. shame you. Yeah. Good. Booze made nothing. I've seen like some mushroom. My mycelia didn't get along with theirs. <laughs> uh, Tox says, so what, what are you going to do now? You're very much free. Well, I think I'm going to just keep hanging out with Harold here. Hey, all right. All right. <laughs> I was pretty worried. nice. I was worried. <laughs> she pats him on the head, almost falls down, regains her grip. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm glad to hear I didn't separate the two of you. Oh, no. Uh, me and his family go way back. I knew old Her- Harold's great-grandmother. She's really? a lady I met. Really? Well, how else do you think I was passed through your family? 
over 147 years. Just at 147. I was going to be 148, but now I'm me again. <laughs> <laughs> do you start over at one? Start over at zero, I guess. An yeah. interesting question. Huh. This is a slightly new form for me. Happy birthday! Yay! Oh my god, we should celebrate! I never wanted to be a dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Not even the same Christmas special. (laughs) All the claimations are the same. (laughs) Frosty the snowman's animated. Oh fuck, you're right. See, I went straight to the. It's Christmas. Oh man, that's in uh, Rudolph the Red Nose right here. Oh, you mean Colonel Sanders the Snowman? Colonel Sanders the Snowman. Colonel Sanders. That's what he is. No, you're not. You can't look me in the eye and not tell me that Snowman didn't fight for the Confederacy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. His mustache definitely said uh, he's a Confederate. (laughs) Thought you were going somewhere else there, so good job. Uh, back outside, Steve. Uh, We're having a great party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Flo is working hard on your on your sword. Um, after probably half an hour, forty five minutes or so, uh, she wipes the sweat from her brow and comes back over to you, and she says, "Well, I think this is about as good as it's gonna get for now." Is that the kegerator? No, fuzzy friend, this is a sword. Please don't drink it. <laughs> I drink the sword. You die and freeze at the same time. <laughs> I like that you become I a shoot her with the moon. <laughs> <laughs> a waffle blows out the side of her head. <laughs> I encounter a man in the Middle East with a wall entirely made of guns. I eat the waffle. I am now hungry. I'm guns. And this wall. Many things, Flo. Greta now does... What is it currently? 2d4 cold damage? 1d8 plus 2d4 cold damage. I'll tell you. I drink the sword. Yeah. Drink the sword. Uh... It's now a D10 for the sword damage. She sharpened it up real good for you. And uh, instead of 2D4, we'll call it a D... 2D6? Okay. A little bit more damage. Greta's leveling with you. You are you are given that. Chevron, you have been given the Fiend Axe. Uh, and Thank you, Phil. Back inside, Harold, the dwarf asks you what you guys are doing in Stone's Throw. Well, we were we were on a quest for something called a kegerator to help my poor sober buddy. Kegerator? Kegerator, yep, yep, kegerator. We're working on it, buddy. We'll get you. <laughs> we'll get you. Uh, he has been having a tough time. Between me and you, I, I think he has a little... Bit of a drinking problem, but yeah. it's that he's not drunk. He's not drunk, and that's we're trying <laughs> to fix that right now. 
He says the Kagerator. I the thought kegerator. that was a myth. Um, Damn it. Fuck! If, <laughs> if it did exist, you would probably be able to find it in the mines, I guess. They're kind of... Your what? 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 Mine. 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 Oh, mine. Mines. Mine. A mine. Yeah, Wait, people, okay. They dig in them. They dig in them. Mm -hmm. oh, I can so that. I've heard. Oh, I, I dig the, the mines. Told me. <laughs> we have some. I definitely dig the mines. Dig the mines. We have some that we haven't been in in a while. Um, they they got really dangerous really fast, and uh, people just kind of stopped using them. Uh, the kegerator is is going to be hidden somewhere. I I have a feeling that might be your best shot if you wanted to look for it. Um, I will say it is dangerous, and now you just have this boring bow. Um, <gasps> what? Uh, that was well, my no, home no. for 147 years. That's <laughs> why it's boring now, is because you're not in it anymore. And you just <laughs> you just have a whip, from what I can tell. So uh, that was my drawstring before. Let me help you guys out. If you're planning on entering into the uh, the mines, you're going to need some some stuff. Uh, and he walks over to a nearby closet, opens it up, and inside are probably 20 bows. Uh, oh. He turns and looks at Harold and says, mm, this one. And he grabs one out and turns and hands it to you. Uh, you you will be naming this bow, so listen carefully. Uh, <laughs> this bow is made of a very dark wood. It's almost black. The handle is wrapped in a vibrant red thread that matches the bowstring. Runes have been etched on the inside of the limbs in a language you can't make out. Uh, he tells you that if your target, whatever you're shooting at, whoever you're shooting at, is felled by your shot, the bow draws power from that kill. Uh, and the following shot deals double damage if you hit. It's kind of like an arc of electricity type of thing. Uh, I will say, if you miss that secondary shot, if you miss that follow-up shot, you will feel a little tingle. Oh. Uh, and that electricity needs an outlet, and it will go through you. Uh, that would mean in mechanics that you would take a d4 of damage uh, if you miss your follow-up shot. I'll give you stats for it later. That's a cool mechanic. I like that. Uh, it needs a name. Come up with that. You can cut this out, but obviously you're, it's the BBC. Rose the big Lane. black conduit. <laughs> Come on. I hold it over my head and I shall, I, I say I shall name you Rose Light. Mm -hmm. Yeah? That's a good name. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not BBC. Red String. Dark, dark wood, rose, rosewood. Yeah, yeah. And and the wood rose. And the wood rose. <laughs> uh, and and wood rose. he turns back to his closet and uh, looks through his his selection of bows again. And he says, mm, "Some of these are a little too big for you." And he closes that cabinet and takes a couple steps to his left and opens up a shorter cabinet. And inside <laughs> are ten. Yeah. Ten. Yeah, because you can't handle the BBC. Yeah. Yeah. That's like Barbie-sized. 
Okay. He turns and looks at Connie and turns back and pulls out another bow. You will also be giving a name to this one, so pay attention. Uh, it is made of a lighter wood, almost white, with a simple leather wrap for a handle. Once per turn, you can channel your inner tree, causing vines to begin to grow towards your target. These vines can do one action per turn on your turn of your choice. Action one is they can wrap around the target and on a failed strength save, which is a DC of 15, the target is held until your next turn. If on the following round, you choose to do this action again, the target is gripped tighter and takes 2d6 damage on a fail. Option two, the vines can whip out at your target and just do straight up 2d4 damage. If you choose to do this action the following round, the vines have since grown thorns and do 2d6 instead of 2d4. Your third and final option is the vines can grow upwards in front of you and give you cover. This increases your AC by two. If you do this action on the following round, your AC will increase by four as the vines grow thicker and knit themselves together. <laughs> Brian looks very disappointed because this is much better than his his quarterstaff. <laughs> no, it's because I want to call it the Yeetle Weedle McShooty Needle. <laughs> Can we take this to the courts? I, I think he has a valid argument here. <laughs> okay, wait. What was your what was the name? Well, I wanted to call it the Yeetle Weedle McShooty Needle. We could go with just Yeetle. The Yeetle? <laughs> Yeetle. <laughs> but Yeetle works. Uh, and, you know, it just so happens that I used to know a bird named Yeetle, and uh, she would never she stop like tweeting. Yeah. Never stop tweeting incessantly. Incessantly. <laughs> uh, those are your new magic items. I will send all of you actual stats, or we will discuss them after we stop recording, probably. Um, for all of those things. And Flo brings Steve, Chauvron, and three raccoons inside of the house. And all of you are sitting in the living room discussing the kegerator. Uh, and Flo turns to talk and says, You know, I think we might be able to maybe draw them a map or something. I have a feeling I know where it is. And Talk looks at her and says, how? How, how, how do you know where it is? And she says, well, I did help make it. And uh, we, we did try to seal it away. And he says, oh, well, I guess there you go, guys. Uh, apparently we can help you quite a bit. My... Where my, is she? My silent sister seems to know where it is, and she will tell you. Uh, and they, my silent sister. I heard her. Secrets. Secret keeping sister. Oh. Uh, and they begin <laughs> to draw you guys a map. The entrance to the mine that they that uh, Flo seems to think that the kegerator is locked in is uh, just outside of town. They have two separate mines going right now. Uh, one of them is not currently being mined anymore. Uh, like Tox said, it, it got too dangerous down there. They hit the a mines of, of no Moria. Yeah, 
<laughs> hit a vein of something that boo. <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, they just they got too dangerous and they stopped mining that one, so they started a new mine. They delved too deep. They delved too deep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that mine has since been sealed away. Uh, the siblings seem to be able to open the door for you and let you guys in there. And it's a rope. Yeah, you just pull. <laughs> Everybody seems to think you push the door, but you pull it. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't label it, so. Right. <laughs> so nobody ever tried to pull. Yeah, it's you know, sealed with some spell. Considering the sheer amount of people that I've seen get really mad when they've tried to push on a pull door that literally says pull on it, I believe this. <laughs> and with that knowledge in hand, you guys now know where the kegerator is housed and where you need to go next. And that is I where go. we we'll end our session for you all. Uh, with a little epilogue here, there's a faint pop noise and a dark room and we hear a growl as a portal opens into this dark room shining just a little bit of light but you can't quite make out what it is and somewhere someplace a maniacal laugh can be heard Guys, my name is Shelvron. I uh, <laughs> full yeah. embodiment of the character. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. All right. Hey, <laughs> fuckers. Easy access to the fires of the pit. Adumathone. Dumathone. 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 You made No, I didn't. It's a real important god. I'm not the man to ask. Dumathone. How do you spell it? D U M A T H O I N. Doomathone. Clothes. Uh, I think it's Doomathone. I do not stress short men. As Goliath, I am vertically racist. <laughs> That's an interesting statement. Yeah. You're, you're committing to that one? <laughs> nope. <laughs> you want to try that one again? <laughs> That's, That's where you want to go with that? <laughs> nope. I'm going to go let somebody else talk. <laughs> That's going to the bloopers. I am racist. I am racist. I'm just going to put hot dog, dog pieces in my mouth and get it. Slices, Dan. Slice dog. must be sliced. If you're going to make fun, do it right. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, you don't get any fun stuff this session, but everybody else does. <laughs> I get the kegerator. The That's why you, you don't get the fun stuff. Are you eating pancakes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm eating waffles. 
Shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him! Is the safety on? (laughs) (laughs) My safety. You drinking a course banquet? The uh, champagne of beers, or is that (laughs) (laughs) we're not allowed to use real things? I edit. I can cut it out. (laughs) Talking to me. We only had one left, so I decided to do fancy glasses. Yeah, we're pretty champagne for people. We're classy as fuck, man. (laughs) Very posh. (laughs) All I can see is still the cleft palette painting. We've been through this so many times. It's pretty intense back there. Yeah. That's our third player. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's our 12th man on the field right there. Slowly going to keep stacking people in uh, Reed's room. (laughs) How many people can we put in the same Reed's living room? (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like five fucking characters. We're just going to all start start recording in Reed's house. Yeah, come on down, buddy. I mean, across the country. I love it. For a no, bit. You, you just need to start acquiring paintings of random people's faces and just posting yeah. them on your wall behind you. Like every episode, you just get like a new one. Yeah, be living in a Scooby Doo house pretty soon. Just because we're high as shit doesn't mean no. Scooby snacks.